This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This is Ryan Pack of the Soundtrack Your Life podcast, and you're listening to my weekly mixtape with Brian Colburn. Rock on, Brian. Welcome to My Weekly Mixtape, a podcast that takes the classic mixtape approach to building a modern playlist. I'm your host, Brian Colburn. Joining me for tonight's collaboration is Ryan Pack, host of the Soundtrack Your Life podcast. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on My Weekly Mixtape. Oh, I am so excited to be here. I am really excited to have you, man. And I'm going to start tonight the way I start every episode by asking you the age-old question. Well, 19-episode-old question. Ryan, what does the word mixtape mean to you? Um, It's a very loaded word. (laughs) It means something that has been carefully curated, a mix of songs that someone has personally made for you. I like where you're going with that. And that is exactly what we're going to be doing tonight. As tonight, Ryan and I will be curating a mixtape of songs that are featured on 90s soundtracks. And this decade, like the 80s, was part of what I feel was the peak of soundtracks. As once you work your way into the 2000s, soundtracks became less of an important moment that kind of coincided along with the movie because... With the advent of digital downloads and streaming, it became more of just music in the movie. Whereas in the 80s and 90s, and you can go back to the 70s and earlier, soundtracks were events because they were songs that bands recorded specifically for these albums. And then as you got into the 2000s, it started becoming more just compilation mixes. And now soundtracks sometimes are an afterthought. So I like to get back to when soundtracks truly meant something. And as it's the 90s, I have a huge bank of songs that I'm ready to dive into tonight, but I did give myself one rule. Now, Ryan, you don't have to follow this, but I'm be curious when we get to that point to see where you stand. I personally only chose songs that were created specifically for the soundtrack or came out on the soundtrack prior to the band using the song on their official album. Ryan, what were you looking for in the songs you brought to the table this evening? I used a lot of those same rules. I primarily chose songs that either were written for the film or only came out on the soundtrack. And if there were any exceptions to that, it's because the song is really just known for being in that movie. Awesome. Well, with that said, Ryan, let's get down to business. Tonight, as I mentioned earlier, Ryan and I will be curating the ultimate 90s soundtrack songs mixtape, and we'll use the old cassette deck approach, meaning our mixtape will be broken up into two sides, side A and side B. 
Ryan, as the special guest, will begin side A with his first song choice, and then I'll add a song that I feel best follows up his choice. We'll then flip-flop choosing songs until we've mapped out 10 songs for side A. We'll then give our mixtape a proverbial flip, and we'll map out side B, only this time I'll kick things off with Ryan choosing second. Our overall goal for the episode is to craft the best 90s soundtrack mixtape possible through only 20 songs. At the end of the show, you can take our conversation to the next level by visiting the 90s soundtrack page at myweeklymixtape.com to give our final mixtape a listen via the embedded playlist. And finally, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please consider becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash myweeklymixtape. Speaking of Patreon mixtapers, a few have chimed in with some of the songs they would kick off their 90s soundtrack mixtape with. Patreon mixtaper David Owens chimed in with Less Than Jake's We're All Dudes from Good Burger. And Patreon mixtaper Cactus Pete chimed in with Dr. Dre's Keep Their Heads Ringing from Friday, as well as Ice Cube's You Can Do It from Next Friday. Elsewhere on the socials, mixtapers who follow me at My Weekly Mixtape on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok also chimed in. I'd like to shout a few of those out. Chael chimed in with Black Sabbath's Time Machine from Wayne's World. Rob Ebert chimed in with Garbage, number one crush from Romeo and Juliet. On the Flythe chimed in with The Wonders, That Thing You Do from the movie of the same name. Sean Faust chimed in with Helmet and House of Pain, just another victim from Judgment Night. Jeff Scoble chimed in with Jim Blossom's Till I Hear It From You from Empire Records. And also from the same movie, even though it's not sung by Rex Manning, so I'm going to deduct a point there, Doug Miller chimed in with Coyote Shivers' Sugar High. Jen Cohen chimed in with Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls from the City of Angels soundtrack. Lonnie Love Taylor chimed in with Anything from the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Seven Rock Lists from Australia chimed in with Green Day's J.A.R., Jason Andrew Relva from Angus. Philip Bergman chimed in with the theme from Mission Impossible 2 by U2's Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen Jr. Mally Hart chimed in with Pearl Jam's State of Love and Trust from Singles. Gnarly Thotep chimed in with Odds, Pipefitters Clubhouse from Hardcore Logo. Dumbuckety Scory and Seeker Eleven both chimed in with John Bon Jovi's Blaze of Glory from Young Guns 2, with Dumbuckety Scory also chiming in with Seal's Kiss from a Rose from Batman Forever. Sticking with Batman Forever, Kuya Ozzy chimed in with U2's Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. Eric S. chimed in with Alice in Chains What the Hell Have I from Last Action Hero. Josh Zimmer chimed in with the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones Where Do You Go from Clueless. The Music Rewind podcast chimed in with the Commitments Try a Little Tenderness. And finally, Tony from the Patio Slave podcast chimed in with Warren G's Regulate from Above the Rim. Okay, Ryan, with that laundry list of songs out in the open, I'm curious to see how you're going to kick things off. So with that, I'm officially pressing the record button on this mixtape and tossing it over to you. Ryan, what song are you starting tonight's 90s soundtrack mixtape with and why? Um, This is such a huge, huge honor and um, such a such a big sort of, you know, you want to start this mixtape off, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start off with a song from the Angus soundtrack. And it's going to be Weezer's You Gave Your Love to Me Softly. Ooh, okay. I want to go with high energy right away. You're certainly doing that with that. And with that choice, you are actually killing 
two different songs off of my list just like that because once a movie is mentioned, we're not going to go back to it. I had Green Day's J.A.R., Jason Andrew Relva on the list, and I had Funny Face by the Muffs on the list. So that just goes to show how awesome the Angus soundtrack was. I it, One of my favorites, such an underrated movie, and I really feel like, this soundtrack was a part where the soundtrack got so popular, it almost did the reverse, where normally a movie brings spotlight to the soundtrack. I feel like for this one, the soundtrack brought the spotlight to the movie. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And the Green Day song was also on my list. I know that we can only choose uh, one song for soundtrack, so it was really, really difficult to choose, but I went with the Weezer one because I thought it was such a great playlist starter. Completely agree. And with that, I get to follow it up. And hmm, I'm I'm having a tough time here, but I'm going to want to get this one out of the way because I know it's going to come up tonight. You and I have had the pleasure of talking about this song in great length on your show And following up Weezer, I think Adam Schlesinger fits that role. And I am going to go with Mm -hmm. my favorite movie of all time, 1996's That Thing You Do, and the fictitious band The Wonders or The Oneaters, depending on your level of fandom. And I'm going with the title track, That Thing You Do. To me, this song encapsulates pop perfection. Adam Schlesinger had such a way with songwriting every song he did from that thing you do to radiation vibe with fountains of wayne to stacy's mom these are infectious songs that as soon as you hear them the chorus is embedded in you by the time the song is over and for a movie like that thing you do to have a song that is played no less than a dozen times in the movie and you don't get sick of it speaks literal volumes. So following up Weezer's You Gave Your Love to Me Softly, I'm going with The Wonders, That Thing You Do. I love the choice. I'm glad that it came up today because I would have been really sad if we didn't talk about that song. <laughs> yeah, there's there was no way. I had so much fun on the Soundtrack Your Life episode talking about this movie. I'll actually embed that episode at myweeklymixtape.com on the same page as this episode so that if people want to go back and hear us go into a full hour on basically, as I call it, a tribute to Adam Schlesinger at that point, even Mm -hmm. though it was about that thing you do truly the episode was a a, a tribute to his genius in songwriting. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I am throwing it back to you now for track three. For track three, I think it would be perfect to go with another power pop song. So let's go with 1995's Empire Records single Until I Hear It From You by the Gin Blossoms. All right. When I think of 90 soundtrack songs, this is one that stands out to me. It's a awesome rock song. I think it went all the way to the number eight on the Billboard charts. People probably don't remember this, but the Gin Blossoms were everywhere. And everyone had a copy of New Miserable Experience. This was a follow-up to that monster album, and it did not disappoint. And it's a song that I'll still hear in like the grocery store today, and I'll be like, oh man, that's a really good song. 
and I'll like stop and I'll listen to the whole thing. Completely agree. Empire Records, where that thing you do is my favorite movie of all time. Empire Records is easily a top 10 for me. And I had Coyote Shivers Sugar High on my list, which was the song that the band performed on top of Empire Records at the end of the movie. For me, I would actually, if possible, use the movie version because I actually like the movie version better than the soundtrack version. But I love the track. And obviously, Jim Blossoms, that song was kind of the glue that held the romantic angle of the movie together. Very light, very airy song. Again, infectious power pop. And then coming out of that thing you do, it really flows nicely. And I think the way I'm going to follow it up is jumping up one year in time to a movie that is in no way, shape, or form a comedy with a cover song. Because something in the 90s that happened a lot were cover songs on soundtracks. And as I'm scrolling through my list of 30-something songs, at least a third of them are cover songs. I know I love my covers, but it's amazing how just how many there were sprinkled throughout 90 soundtracks. And the one that I chose is from 1996's The Craft. And Letters to Cleo covered The Cars, which on paper doesn't sound like it would make sense. However, they did such a fantastic version of Dangerous Type, which originally appeared on The Cars' Candio album. It was featured in a montage scene in the movie where they're all kind of learning their powers and becoming the witches that they're destined to be or whatever. You, you've seen the movie. Everyone's seen the movie. Mm. I hope they've seen the movie because if I've seen it, I have to assume others have. This song just shows how underrated of a band Letters to Cleo is. They had some popularity. I feel they should have had a lot more, but I love the track. And coming out of the Jim Blossoms, I feel like it's a perfect fit. So I'm going with, for track four, Letters to Cleo and their cover of The Cars, Dangerous Type. And I know with you and the Cars, you have very high standards if you're going to put a Cars cover on a playlist. Yes. And the th I think the thing I loved about it most was hearing the female voice in it. Because the song, they don't necessarily deviate too far from the Cars original version because the Cars already had that element of power pop built into their sound. So Letters to Cleo didn't have to reinvent the song, but hearing it from a female perspective especially considering the craft is such a female dominant cast worked so well for me. And I feel like it elevated that scene in the movie one, because I am sitting in the theater at 18 years old, watching this scene play out, singing along with the song with my then girlfriend turning to me going, how do you know the song in the movie that we've never seen this before? And I'm like, Oh no, this song is <laughs> as old as I am. And just a, a fun note, um, Kay Hanley, the lead singer of letters, letters to Cleo, her voice is the voice of Josie on all the songs on the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack. Yes, and again, underrated. How did Letters to Cleo not get bigger? It blows my mind. Oh, I agree. Well, now I'm throwing it back to you. We got a very pop-heavy side A unfolding for us so far, Ryan. What are you going to follow up Letters to Cleo with? I think I'm going to take a step in a grungier direction. Okay. And I'm going, I almost feel like this is cheating, but I'm going to go with 1992 single soundtrack and Pearl Jam State and Love and Trust. 
<laughs> I mean, who doesn't love the single soundtrack, right? You have everyone from Alice in Chains to basically uh, Anne and Nancy Wilson covering Led Zeppelin. And with all these other great artists uh, in between, Paul Westerberg, Smashing Pumpkins, Mother Love Bone. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have perhaps two of the best Pearl Jam songs that they've ever recorded on this soundtrack and nowhere else. It's insane. That soundtrack is a defining soundtrack of the grunge era. I had Alice in Chains wood from the album because of the fact that I vividly remember this single coming out and then getting the single soundtrack only to find out that the album also made dirt months later when it came out. Because Alice in Chains for me was always like included in the grunge movement, but I always felt like they had a little bit more of a hard rock tinge to them. Whereas they weren't as grungy, they were definitely more leaning hard rock. But that song was so powerful. Lane's voice was just so perfect on that song. And I mean, I could go on and on, but Pearl Jam, State of Love and Trust, how did that not make 10 or verses? Like, I, I just think about how perfectly it would fit. And sure enough, this is when soundtracks mattered. This is when soundtracks made bands bigger because Pearl Jam, I will say the single soundtrack is a key piece of why they continued their explosion in the 90s. I agree. And I think I have some friends who have told me that they'll play the two songs back to back at shows. So it shows that they understand that people associate these songs with that soundtrack. Well, I'm going to see your grunge pick and I'm going to follow you up with another song that isn't necessarily grunge, but the vibe of it falls into it. And this was a song that came out first on the soundtrack, exploded into a massive single that led its way into her follow-up second album. And this artist had a massive task on her hands. Because when you are following up one of the most successful debut female artist albums of all time, which was Jagged Little Pill, Alanis Morissette had to come out with something massive. And Uninvited was the massive single that would catapult her from Jagged Little Pill into supposed former infatuation junkie. Now, I will just go on record saying I'm not as big a fan as the sophomore effort as I was of Jagged Little Pill. It didn't quite hit all the right notes for me, but this song, oh my God, I needed to get the City of Angels soundtrack the day it came out because I needed to get my hands on that song. And obviously the City of Angels soundtrack also has the Goo Goo Dolls Iris, which I am now pulling off the table, which is, was a massive, massive ballad and a massive hit song that, Again, they put it on that album first, so it met all the criteria because Dizzy Up the Girl didn't come out till months later. So for me, Uninvited just follows the rock of Pearl Jam a little bit more than Goo Goo Dolls would have, so I'm going to go with Alanis Morissette, Uninvited. That's a great pick. I almost forgot that song was on the City of Angels soundtrack. It's obviously, I think, better known for the Goo Goo Dolls song, but I think Alanis's post-Jagged Little Pill output doesn't get enough attention i think people kind of know her just for that one album because of all the singles um but yeah definitely uh, a sneaky little pick there all right now you get to follow it up 
I think I'm going to slow things down a little bit, but maybe keep things in a very 90s. I mean, I guess it's all going to sound very 90s because these are 90s soundtracks. But <laughs> Yeah. You know, another band that I think isn't grunge at all, but maybe kind of was associated with grunge at one point. Um, I'm going to go with the 1993 Conehead soundtrack, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Soul to Squeeze. Love it. What a great pick. Yeah, it's a song that I sometimes forget about, even though I really, really like it. I think people kind of knock it down a tier because maybe it's a little bit too much in the same vibe as Under the Bridge. But, you know, it was one of the first Chili Pepper songs that I really was drawn to. Um, and it had me really explore their back catalog after that. So for me, it's like a really important Red Hot Chili Pepper song because one of the first ones where I was like, who is this band and what other songs do they have? Yeah, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was a defining album to me. As a bass player, hearing that album changed the way I viewed the instrument because of all the amazing things Flea does throughout the entire album. And then you come along with the Conehead soundtrack and Soul to Squeeze, and Flea is actually leading this song his bass line is the lead guitar in the opening of the song and 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 trying to define how important that is to me as a bass player there is some guitar work that goes on over it but make no mistake about it flea is playing lead bass on that song and it's a beautiful melody and that bass line is not easy to play it is very musical, and it is a perfect follow-up to Under the Bridge. And I'll just go ahead and say it. It's a better song than Under the Bridge, at least in my humble opinion. I'm sure there's others that will disagree, but I love the song. I love the pick. But coming out of that, I'm going to go a little deeper here, and I'm going to keep it slightly slow, but pick up the pace a little bit. And this was a movie that I didn't know anything going into watching it we rented it on vhs when i was in college and my buddy and i watched it and as soon as we were done i'm like we got to make two stops we got to drop off the vhs back so we don't get charged a late fee and we got to go hit up the mall because i need to buy this soundtrack and it's not a soundtrack that everybody's going to automatically go i needed to have that it's a deeper cut and the movie was desperado with antonio banderas i loved that movie, Robert Rodriguez bringing that the El Mariachi character to life with the guns inside the guitar it was a very musical movie. And there's a song towards the end of that soundtrack called Back to the House That Love Built by Tito and Tarantula. And Tito and Tarantula is also the group that played the house band in From Dust Till Dawn. But Back to the House That Love Built is bluesy, it's melodic, and coming out of the kind of darker uninvited into a little bit more soul to squeeze. I'm picking up the pace towards the end of the side here, but still staying in a place where uninvited soul to squeeze and back to the house that love built will fit one, two, three. And it is a deeper pick. I, I get it. People are probably sitting there going, who the hell is Tito and Tarant? I get it. Listen to the song in this mix and it might make sense. And if not, I would love to hear why you think it doesn't. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the song, but I love the idea of going with the deeper cut. I have a couple of songs on my list that I hope to throw in later that are probably from soundtracks that people have never heard of. 
you know, as a soundtrack guy, I love it. Well, now you unfortunately have to follow up a song that you've never heard before. So now there's a challenge. I've I've described it as best I can. So hopefully that gives you a, something to step off of. Yeah, I think I can try to make that work. Something kind of bluesy. Well, I don't know if this is bluesy enough, but I'm going to go with a song off the 1996 Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. I'm going to go with a Radiohead's talk show host. Ooh. You know, I'm a big Radiohead fan. This is probably one of the first songs where I was, where I understood why they were getting this hype worldwide as being, you know, one of the next great rock bands. I did enjoy the bands, and this is a B-side, I believe, from those sessions. But they put it on this soundtrack because they ended up taking the end credit song and using that for OK Computer, and that is exit music for a film, which is a very British tongue-in-cheek joke of this is the end credit song from Romeo and Juliet. But it's a great song. Um, as you know, a musician, I love how you can hear all you know the different elements kind of locking in together. It's a song that has an awesome bass part in it as well. It's not quite dancey, but it's pretty groovy for Radiohead, especially at this time. Um, it doesn't really sound like the Benz or OK Computer, yeah, but it's one of my favorite Radiohead songs, and I'm super happy whenever I see them play it live. I am admittedly not the biggest Radiohead fan. I am a big fan of Pablo Honey. And my friend got me into the bends, but after that, I start to drift away. But this song, to me, fits in between where Pablo Honey and the bends are. I feel like that song kind of is the middle ground between those two albums, where it still works and it still is my Radiohead wheelhouse. So I love where you went with this. And I think now I have the challenge of ending aside here. And I... We've kind of had a little bit of a slower half. I want to end with something fun. And I'm going to use the linchpin of you saying Radiohead because they're from England. So I'm going to go with another band that is from England. And I'm using quote marks in the air. This is a super group that consists of Christopher Ward on rhythm guitar, Stuart Johnson on drums, Matthew Sweet on bass. Susanna Hoffs on lead guitar and the one and only Mike Myers, otherwise known as Austin Powers on lead guitar and vocals. And I'm going to go with the fictitious Ming T BBC. I want to end the side with something fun, but looking at the list of songs, the power pop, the nineties rock, it actually fits. I don't know why, but it's not a serious song. But musically, I feel like it fits. Oh, I love it. I love the song. I love that it's ending this side of the mixtape. You know, I think it's a good song on its own. You don't have to just be watching Austin Powers. And then obviously Mike Myers brought in great musicians like Susanna Hoffs and Matthew Sweet. It's great. And that led Susanna Hoffs and Matthew Sweet to work together on those series of Under the Covers albums, which I think is fantastic. And musically, the song just works. It, it really does. And it's one of those songs that is unsuspected on the Austin Powers soundtrack because a lot of the songs have a throwback sound to it. The Burt Baccarat, the theme song, a lot of the music, obviously, 
if you're thinking about iconic scenes in the movie, you could have chosen I Touch Myself, but that was put out way prior from the Divinals. It was getting a second resurgence because of the movie. And like I said, I went with songs that were recorded for the soundtrack and BBC works for that. And with that, folks, we have our side A. Starting off with Weezer, You Gave Your Love to Me Softly from the Angus soundtrack. The Wonders, That Thing You Do from the movie of the same name. The Jim Blossoms, Till I Hear It From You from Empire Records. Letters to Cleo, Dangerous Type from The Craft. Pearl Jam, State of Love and Trust from Singles. Alanis Morissette, Uninvited from City of Angels. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Sold to Squeeze from The Coneheads. Tito and Tarantula, Back to the House That Love Built from Desperado. Radiohead, Talk Show Host from Romeo and Juliet. And Ming T, BBC from Austin Powers International, Man of Mystery, if we want to give the whole title there. Head over to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. 
Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of soundtracks, Ryan, why don't you tell listeners a little bit about the Soundtrack Your Life podcast? Yeah, Soundtrack Your Life is a interview podcast where we talk to a guest about a soundtrack that they want to talk about. We've had people such as Brian on our podcast. We've had the chance to interview some very cool musicians as well. So Lou Barlow from Folk Implosion, Subido, Dinosaur Jr. has been on the podcast. Michael Lockwood, who was Amy Mann's guitarist during probably her most popular years, um, including the Magnolia soundtrack. He was also a guest on our show. But, you know, we talk to people about why they love soundtracks and we get all these great stories and we dive down a Wikipedia rabbit hole to find interesting behind the scenes facts about the movies and the soundtrack. And it's a really fun time. Love the show. For people that are movie fans, that enjoy the way music is tied in the movies, I feel like this is a podcast for you. I love the fact that being on the show and being a guest, I am not a huge movie buff. We've Anybody who's listened to me podcast before knows that a lot of the soundtracks I'm talking about tonight, I haven't even seen the movies for, but I own the soundtrack for. But I still felt like we were able to go off on some great conversations and you've had guests on that you're able to dive deeper into the ties to the movie, which I really enjoy listening to, especially if it's a movie I am very familiar with. I love what you're doing on the show over there, and I definitely would recommend listeners of this show to go check out Soundtrack Your Life. Oh, thanks, Brian. My pleasure. So now I have the honor of kicking things off for Side B. And Side A was poppy, power pop little grunge, little slow stuff, some fun stuff. I want to start off side B completely different. Throw a wrench right in the system right from the get-go. I posted about this soundtrack a lot. It's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. It was a very influential album because new metal was not a thing at this point. Korn's self-titled album does not come out for another year and change. And the 1993 soundtrack to Judgment Night proved that rock 
and hip hop and metal and hip hop can work together perfectly. And this soundtrack is amazing. I know people have chimed in with songs from this soundtrack, but nobody chimed in with the title track by Biohazard and Onyx. So that is what I'm going to kick off side two with. Biohazard and Onyx became close when Biohazard remixed Onyx's hit Slam. And they continued that camaraderie together on this track. And to me, this is an iconic moment because prior to the Judgment Night soundtrack, you had hip-hop and you had rock. And you had Walk This Way with Aerosmith and Run DMC. And you had Anthrax and Public Enemies Bring the Noise. Then here is an entire soundtrack dedicated to that concept. And this could have easily failed. But not only did it not fail, the soundtrack is the only thing people talk about when they talk about Judgment Night. I, for one, have never seen the movie. I don't care. I still own the soundtrack. It's still one of my favorite soundtracks. And from what I've heard, I don't have to see the movie. The soundtrack's where it's at. So I'm kicking things off with Biohazard and Onyx, Judgment Night. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that we're talking about the Judgment Night soundtrack. Also, a soundtrack I own when I haven't seen the movie. Uh, I've never seen it. Oh, good. I'm not alone. <laughs> I have people on other podcasts who have covered it, and they've told me that, don't worry, you don't need to see it. Just buy the soundtrack. <laughs> well, now that's a lot heavier of where we were on side A. So, Ryan, I'll be very curious to see what you follow this up with now. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a look at my list. This is where it gets challenging, definitely. Okay. I will go with a band that I guess you could say is a mix of rap and rock, or at least I always felt like they were, and they were on a lot of great soundtracks in the 90s, so I am glad that, uh, I'm glad for that. I'm going to go with, from 1998's Godzilla, No Shelter by Rage Against the Machine. Yes! Absolutely love it. Easily on my list. Saw the movie the night it came out. Haven't seen it since. Have had no desire to see it since. But I've had the soundtrack. And there were several songs from that soundtrack that could have easily made it tonight. No Shelter being the top one. But I love the Wallflowers cover of Heroes. That's on my list. Again, cover song. And I love, I'll just go ahead and say it. Come with me. Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page's cover of Cashmere, I love, even though it caught a lot of flack when the album came out. I thought it worked. I thought it worked well. But I probably have to remind you that License to Ill was one of my favorite hip-hop albums in the 80s, and Rick Rubin and the Beastie Boys proved that you can take Led Zeppelin songs and rap over them, and it's absolutely awesome. And I feel like this kind of backs up that argument. Again, I love the Judgment Night soundtrack, so I didn't hate it. I hated the movie, but I didn't hate the soundtrack. I love the pick, and I love that Rage is getting some love tonight. Yeah, it was a tough pick between that and I believe uh, their song, You're the Boomerang from Higher Learning. Oh, another good one. Yeah, another good one. Well, that makes my track three easy. And I'm going to go with a song that, when I first heard it, I assumed it was the artist that is billed top billing for this song. It wasn't until I got the soundtrack and actually listened to this soundtrack on my stereo that I realized the guest spot had so many effects on their voice that it actually sounded like the main singer. 
And the song is not necessarily meant to be serious, but it is. And I'm going to go with 1997, the movie Private Parts, Howard Stern's movie. And I'm going to go with Rob Zombie and Howard Stern together on The Great American Nightmare. Heavy song. And when you listen to the verse that Howard actually sings with all the effects and studio magic that Rob Zombie worked in the studio, Howard fits the track and it still works. And I absolutely love it. It stays with that heaviness that we had with Biohazard and Onyx and Rage, but it starts to veer away from the rap rock a little bit into some where maybe you have some more territories of which way you can go from here on out. And I'm so glad I was able to include this one in because I didn't know if it would fit anywhere because there had to be a reason to use this song. And Biohazard and Onyx, Rage Against the Machine, Rob Zombie and Howard Stern, The Great American Nightmare. That's awesome. And the Private Part soundtrack is a pretty underrated soundtrack. I I forget, like, I personally forget about it sometimes. But, like, that Pornos for Pyro song with Flea and Dave Navarro. Oh, yeah. So amazing. Hard Charger. Once you mentioned Private Parts, I was like, oh, I don't have Hard Charger on my list. And I love that song. So great pick, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. So now I'm throwing it back to you. You got to come up with something to come out of that. I think things might start getting a little weird here, but I'm going to go with the Bullworth soundtrack. And I'm going to go with Roz, Maya, and Old Dirty Bastard, Ghetto Superstar. Ooh. Uh, It's one of my favorite movie songs from the 90s. When I think of 90s soundtracks, I think of that song. Um, I remember listening to that for like a whole summer just on repeat. You know, the Fugees kind of stopped doing music, but they all kind of came out with their own solo projects. And this is kind of how Proz announced his solo career was um, by doing this song off the Bullworth soundtrack. He's not as well known as a solo artist as Lauren Hill or Wyclef even, but this song was everywhere when it came out. And I had high hopes for Proz's career at this point. There was no escaping this song. Every radio station had it. It made cr- it was on pop stations, on dance stations, top 40. It was everywhere. MTV. What a great song and very, very tough to come out of. So you kind of did a little bit of a left turn coming out of Rob Zombie and Howard Stern. I think I have something, though, that could follow it up and still work. And it'll leave you a little, again, several directions you can head for the end. And I'm going to go right to the end of the decade. I'm going to go to the movie End of Days. Yet another movie I haven't seen with a soundtrack that kicked all sorts of ass. And I'm going to go with a then very young and very green at the time. Not a lot of people. He wasn't the household name he is now. But Eminem, bad influence. This was when he was coming out of the Slim Shady LP and headed towards the Eminem that we all know from the Marshall Mathers EP on and everything else. Bad Influence is a banger. The song rocks like a rock song and his flow is absolutely perfect on it. I mean, I could do an entire mixtape on Eminem alone and, and have countless number of songs to go with, but coming out of ghetto superstar, I think it really works again. End of days, not a movie I could tell you a single thing about, but this soundtrack had that guns and roses, Nine Inch Nails turn on Oh My God. It had Limp Biscuit. 
It had everything that 1999 was in music, that kind of new metal change in, in vibe. And it was all on that soundtrack. And Eminem's Bad Influence stuck out for me as a signature track from that movie. What a great choice. I mean, I'm an Eminem fan. Um, I was probably like you or anything in after that. Uh, everything after that, some shady LP that came out, I was trying to pick it up. You know, this was when Napster was my best friend. <laughs> um, but yeah, great choice. Well, now I throw it back to you for track six. So for this one, it's a little bit of a controversial pick because I don't believe this was recorded for the movie, but I remember watching the music video for this and I couldn't avoid it. And for me, it defines this movie. So I'm going to go with the 1998 Rush Hour soundtrack and Jay-Z, Emil, and, and Ja Rule's Can I Get a. I didn't know Jay-Z's catalog well enough at the point at this point to know if you know it had come out on a previous album, but um the energy of this song just couldn't I just couldn't avoid this song. And like I said, it was playing on MTV all the time, it was playing on radio all the time, and it's just such a great like upbeat track. And whenever I think of Rush Hour, like this this song starts playing in my head. Well, you're going from one more modern legend of hip-hop, which is Eminem, to another modern hip-hop legend in Jay-Z. So I think that works well. Look, at the end of the day, the quote-unquote rules of if a song was recorded for the soundtrack or not, they're just personal ones we made up for ourselves. I'm totally fine with it. Obviously, this song was massive on the soundtrack as well as on Jay-Z's album, but there's no denying the popularity of this song and how well it works for the soundtrack as well as for his album as well. So I've, I've got nothing bad to say about this one at all. All right. Well, coming out of this trifecta of hip hop, because we had a trifecta of, I don't want to call it new metal, but we had biohazard and onyx rage against the machine, Rob zombie and Howard Stern. Then we had a trifecta of hip hop with ghetto superstar, bad influence. And can I get a, I'm going to pivot back, bring us back to rock. Because there's a soundtrack that I just cannot get through a 90s episode and not talk about it. And that is 1993's Last Action Hero. Ah. Again, a movie I've never seen, but a soundtrack that I absolutely adore. And I'm going to bring it back to straight ahead rock here. Meat and potatoes, no special sides, just everything you expect in an ACDC song. And one that I am shocked did not make The Razor's Edge or Ball Breaker, and I'm going to go with Big Gun from ACDC. Number one, baby. Love that song. Wow. Another soundtrack that I think I've, I've forgotten about. And I think also, I kind of forgot that Last Action Hero came out in the 90s. It feels <laughs> like a late 80s movie. It's definitely not one that has aged well either from what my movie aficionado friends have told me, but the soundtrack has, and people still look back at that soundtrack with some degree of, this is when soundtracks were events. And in this instance, and Judgment Night, the soundtracks, in my opinion, were bigger than the movie. Yeah, and I could, you could even argue that for uh, Empire Records, at least when it first came out. Yeah, Empire Records, in time, they leveled off, though. To me, both the soundtrack and the movie are iconic at this point to me. 
But that was also a snapshot in time where if I were to show that movie to my kids, they're looking at it. What is a record store? Like it's foreign to them, even though having me as a father, it's not foreign because I drag them to record stores all the time, but not to the size of Empire Records. Yeah. All right. Throwing it back to you now. I don't even know how to follow BCDC. (laughs) they are not a band that slides off the tongue when you think 90s anything because they are a straight ahead hard rock band and when you think 90s you think grunge you think you know hootie and the blowfish you think different a lot of the artists we've talked about tonight and i know it's a little bit of a left turn but so is tito and tarantula so i figured i i can go weird once per side hey i'm i'm fine with that um, I'm going to go with another iconic band, another iconic rock band, and I'm going to go with The Cure on the 1994 soundtrack to The Crow and their song Burn. Nice. Nice. You know, The Cure is another band that maybe is better known for their songs in the 80s than the 90s. Um, but, you know, if I'm going to follow up ACDC, I'm going to have to bring another band that is a stone cold legend, undebatable that The Cure is not as... I don't want to, you know, let's not compare who's more important, but you know, uh, they're, they're a band that stands on their own. And if you're going to follow up ACDC, you want a band that everyone is going to be like, okay, you could follow up ACDC with the cure. Like, like they, they could take it. Oh man. And the crow, what a fantastic, another rage against the machine song sitting on that with darkness, which was a B side to bullet in the head originally. Love that soundtrack that had Pantera on it. That's again a soundtrack that was an event. Pretty much everybody I knew in my entire circle was trying to get their hands on the Crow soundtrack when it first came out. And ACDC, iconic. The Cure, iconic. Slightly different musically, but iconic. So we had the trio of rap rock, whatever you want to call it, the trio of hip hop. And now we're doing, let's say, a trio of iconic. And to me, There is an iconic artist we haven't talked about tonight on a soundtrack that is only popular, and I'll just go ahead and say it, for this song. And it's another cover song. The original was recorded by Dolly Parton in 1973. And I'm going to go off 1992's The Bodyguard because we are talking icons here. How can you not talk Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You? Not my favorite song of all time. But when you're talking 90s soundtracks, I don't think we could talk about iconic artists like ACDC and The Cure and not include Whitney in the conversation. One of the greatest female vocalists of all time. The song obviously has been beaten to death for radio. But besides that, I I wanted to say I'm, I'm Every Woman was also on that album. But when you talk about 90s soundtracks... Name an iconic Whitney Houston song from a soundtrack in the 90s, even though there was Waiting to Exhale and other examples like I'm Every Woman. Most people that I know chime in with I Will Always Love You, and rightfully so, because the song was absolutely massive. And to me, there are songs on my list that I still have that I like more than this one, but being we're talking icons, I I can't not put this one in here. So it's also my last song of the night. So I'm going to... And my part of this contribution with Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Yeah, this song is a banger. Um, this song was everywhere. Everybody knows this song. You know, it got so popular to the point where people love to parody this song, but just the vocal performance she gives on this is is an all-timer. 
Yeah. And the original is fantastic too. When you go back to Dolly's, but to be able to take a country song and elevate it to the level that Whitney did was unbelievable. I, I, I have some, every time when she, when the song changes keys and she hits the notes even higher, like the hair on my arm stands up just talking about it. And I know bands have covered it in fun, like me first and the gimme gimme's doing a punk version, which I absolutely love. This song is great. And again, it's another cover song. So I got to sneak a little cover song action into this side as well. But Ryan, I'm giving you the hardest job of them all because side B was definitely a mixed bag, but it was a trifecta of trifectas. When you talk about the rap rock, heavy rock, hip hop icons, and then one song from Ryan that's going to wrap up our entire 90s soundtrack experience here. No pressure. What do you got for us? Oh, man. This is such a (laughs) huge undertaking, especially with how we're going with these last few songs. Like, I wanted to kind of end it on a slower note, but I can't just, like, pull the rug out from everyone. So I can't go, like, too mellow. Um, I am going to go with R.E.M., So I am going to go with their song off the Man on the Moon soundtrack, The Great Beyond. Ooh. You know, if we're going to go with these huge bands at the end of this list, I feel like we got to end big. I think R.E.M. in the 90s, they were one of the biggest bands in the world. And this is the, uh, the big single from, you know, this Andy Kaufman biopic. And, you know, it's a great song. It's kind of mellow, but I think it has, it's just epic enough to not be too much of a letdown from Whitney. To me, I feel like it's the encore for those three legends because REM is a legendary indie alternative group and they paved the way for so many bands. I mean, I, you know, I recently had Will Turpin on from Collective Soul And he talked about the fact that, because both bands hail from Atlanta, that R.E.M. was the band that they watched with bated breath because the more they were successful, the more hope they gave bands like Collective Soul coming out of Atlanta. And if it wasn't for R.E.M., that rock scene might not have ever been there. So defining band, if you want to hear Will Turpin from Collective Soul, dive into that topic more. Visit the Songs of Collective Soul episode at myweeklymixtape.com. It's a fantastic interview that I highly recommend. I absolutely love the pick. And it's a great way to close out a very eclectic side B, which consisted of Biohazard and Onyx, Judgment Night, from the movie of the same name. Rage Against the Machine, No Shelter, from the Godzilla soundtrack. Rob Zombie and Howard Stern, The Great American Nightmare from Private Parts. Praz Maya and Old Dirty Bastard, Ghetto Superstar from Bullworth. Eminem, Bad Influence from End of Days. Jay-Z's Can I Getta from Rush Hour. ACDC's Big Gun from Last Action Hero. The Cure's Burn from The Crow. Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You from The Bodyguard. And R.E.M.'s The Great Beyond from Man on the Moon. Remember, you could visit the 90s soundtracks page at myweeklymixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed tonight through the Embedded playlist. 
Ryan, this has been a lot of fun. Why don't you tell people where they can learn more about Soundtrack Your Life and catch up with you? Uh, you can find us anywhere you're listening to this podcast. And you can find us on social media on Twitter at Soundtrack underscore your and on Instagram at SoundtrackCast. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me tonight. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm really excited to download all these songs and put them into a playlist after we're done. Same here, same here. And remember, mixtapers, you can find my weekly mixtape on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at My Weekly Mixtape. You can also head to myweeklymixtape.com to check out the full catalog of My Weekly Mixtape episodes. If you want to support the show, please consider becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash myweeklymixtape. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Until next time, enjoy the tunes. to achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.